Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Tim Barnett, on people deconstructing their Christian faith and what that means. What do you mean by deconstruction? That's my first question when I'm talking to someone who says they're deconstructing. And if they say, well, I'm leaving evangelicalism, my next question is, what do you mean by evangelicalism? Because it might not be Christian. Tim Barnett, next. Today's guest believes a movement called deconstruction is sweeping through our churches and disrupting the lives of many. In the new book, The Deconstruction of Christianity, What It Is, Why It's Destructive, and How to Respond, authors Elisa Childers and Tim Barnett help us think through the main issues around faith deconstruction. They also suggest wise and loving ways to respond from a biblical worldview. My guest is Tim Barnett, a speaker and apologist with Stand to Reason. Tim, what is meant by the deconstruction of Christianity? This is, this is really the million-dollar question. Uh, because the word is being used to mean everything from I'm just questioning or maybe doubting some secondary doctrine all the way down to um, I'm leaving the faith altogether. In fact, when Joshua Harris, who's really well known uh, to many of us because he wrote this best-selling book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye um, in the 90s. And uh, he came out just a few years ago. And after announcing that he was divorcing his wife, of course, that created all this you know, the guy who created, who kissed dating goodbye is now kissing his marriage goodbye. And then a week later, he goes on Instagram and says, I'm kissing Christianity goodbye. Mm. And he said in that in that post that what he's going through is deconstruction and the biblical phrase is falling away. So the word is being used like to mean almost anything. You ask 10 different people, you get 11 different responses. And so what Elisa and I, um, what we decided to do was, okay, let's figure out what this thing really is. And, and so what we did was we went on a, a, an investigation. We, we looked at the, the YouTube videos that were making the rounds and the social media accounts. We, we had zoom meetings with people who were, you know, pro deconstruction. We, um, you know, listened to the podcast, all the stuff. And what we, what we landed on was this definition that deconstruction is a postmodern process of rethinking your faith without requiring scripture as a standard. Now, actually, all those words are really important. In fact, this was the hardest sentence in the entire book to write. Mm. Um, and because we knew we were going to get pushback, but we and we so we wanted to make sure we could defend this particular uh, thesis, this this definition. So it's postmodern. What I mean by that is it's its goal is not truth. In fact, for many people, the, the question of truth isn't really the question because they don't believe that truth exists in the realm of religion and morality. Hmm. That's really important. And so, uh, and so, th so that, that's one piece. We could talk more about that. And then it's rethinking your faith. But the second part that's really important is without requiring scripture as a standard. What we're finding over and over and over again is that in this deconstruction movement, and it really is a movement. I mean, there are deconstruction coaches, there's deconstruction conferences, there's all this this stuff out there um, for someone who's 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 going through this process. There's whole communities. They don't require scripture as an as a final absolute authority, and that becomes clear once you start kind of looking at the posts and the books and everything else. If you're yeah. not using scripture 
as your authority. Yeah. What is the authority that the deconstructionists base their deconstruction of Christianity on? It's an authority of self is how we describe it. In fact, it was Natasha Crane, mm. um, who is an apologist and an author. Um, in one of her books, uh, and we quote her in our book, she she contrasts, there is, there she calls deconstruction a, con, a deconversion, even though it doesn't necessarily deconvert you to atheism, it's a, diver, a deconversion from the authority of scripture to the authority of self. We make the connection to decon between deconstruction and what took place in the Garden of Eden. If you think about the Garden of Eden, you have Adam and Eve, and then the serpent comes. And what does the serpent ask? Did God really say? So first he questions God's word, but he doesn't stop there. He says, he actually denies God's word, right? He says, God didn't really say you're going to die. You know, so now he's denying. And, and when he does that, he's able to deconstruct the character of God. God's not loving. Um, you know, he, this tree is, 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 uh, desirable. He's trying to keep this from you. He's not, he must not be loving. He's not truthful. You can trust me. Don't trust God that you're going to die. And of course he deconstructs the idea that God is sufficient. Like you need to do this for yourself because if you don't, there'll be something missing. You're not complete without taking from the tree. And so you see right in the garden, the same thing that we're seeing today. So deconstruction is not a new thing. It goes, it's as old as the Garden of Eden, okay? It goes right back there. And we see it, we're seeing it play out, even though there are some differences, like, you know, social media didn't exist in the garden. And that's a key. That is the reason this thing has exploded and we call it an explosion for a number of reasons, but it's exploded on the scene because of social media and the ability for anyone who is leaving their faith to hop on their social media account, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, whatever, and say, I used to be a Christian, now I'm not, here's why. And those deconstruction stories, those testimonies are powerful. And I'm getting messages, Elisa's getting messages all the time from youth pastors, from parents, from grandparents who say, my my student, my uh, child, my grandchild, they started watching these videos and now they don't believe anymore. Um, so uh, we need to, that, that's why, I mean, this was one of the reasons we wrote this book. We want the church to see what's going on so that they are able to respond. So we didn't write this book to the deconstructor. I mean, you could hand it to someone deconstructing and it may help them, but our primary audience is for the church. We want them to know what's really going on behind this movement. Well, my guest is uh, Tim Barnett. He is a speaker and apologist with Stand to Reason. We're talking about uh, the new book that he co-authored with uh, Elisa Childers, The Deconstruction of Christianity, What It Is, Why It's Destructive, and How to Respond. And I'm wondering, some might be thinking as you are explaining this, Tim, that uh, you, you mentioned, of course, the garden and what happened there, God's Word being questioned. Uh, looking into the New Testament, there's a couple, of, a couple of things that come to mind. One is just the idea of apostasy of uh, Demas mm. was was there or the, yeah. in first John chapter 2 verse 19 it talks about those uh, that were with us they went out from us and it just demonstrated that they weren't of us and you also have the four soils mm. uh, the, 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 the where the the seed of the word is taken into these various soils and only the fourth soil the good soil was the one where the mm -hmm. where the word took root but in the others it didn't yeah and so I'm wondering is this some kind of an aspect of 
perhaps people were not actually converted to Christ in the first place? Well, we we <laughs> purposefully stay away from that debate ah, okay. in our book. Um, although we do talk about, so uh, the parable of the, the rocky soil, right? You have this soil where some seed falls and it says that this, it, it takes root um, quickly and, and then the sun comes and scorches the plant. And then Jesus in, interprets this passage and he says, look, these are the ones that were playing on the rocky ground. The ones that, the ones that received the word with joy, at least initially. But then when persecution and tribulation come on account of the word, they fall away. That's his words. They fall away. And I actually think there's a lot of people in the church. Now, again, were they saved to begin with? Were they not? Christians debate over that. But here's what we know for certain. These were people that were there and they received the word with joy initially. And I know that was the case with me and um, and my friends in youth group growing up. And then there were things that happened like, like tribulation, like persecution, like suffering. And I'll tell you what, the number one reason why people deconstruct is suffering. Mm. And there's other reasons too, but this is the one that shows up over and over and over again. And then they end up falling away. Um, so uh, one of the things that we we do at Stand to Reason, we talk about a little bit about this in the book, is we want people to grow deep roots. And um, and I tell the I tell a different parable, a parable of the biosphere. And the biosphere is uh, it's in Arizona. It's a real enclosed structure. It's the largest of its kind. It's an ecosystem that was built. Um, as an enclosure that would have plants and animals and even humans. And the idea was if we could create this enclosed ecosystem and people could survive there, maybe we could put this on you know, Mars or something and this could sustain life. And so this was a project uh, that started years ago. And I think it's been taken over by the University of Arizona. And there's this parable or this story, and I, I don't know if it's true. I've heard it numerous times. I haven't been able to find a source on it. So we'll call it a parable. The trees in the biosphere would grow up and they'd grow up to a certain height and then fall over. And it baffled the scientists because the scientists had taken into account the soil, the right water, the right temperature, the right atmosphere, all the stuff. But they had forgotten to account for one other thing, and that is wind. Mm. Because it's a closed-in glass structure, there was no wind. And it turns out that for these trees, the wind pushing against them causes the roots to grow deeper into the soil, which allows the tree to grow um, higher and higher and able to support itself. Now, if you're a pastor listening, this will preach, okay? Because this is what's going on with our students. We often build these like enclosures, we, this isolation model for our students. Don't tell them about X, Y, and Z. Well, why not? We might lose them. So let's isolate. And then when they end up going outside the walls of our church and our homes, they do see those challenges, those questions, those doubts, and end up falling away as a result. So what we do is we say, don't isolate, inoculate, expose a little bit of wind into your youth group, into your churches, ask those questions, the hard questions, um, talk about the doubts that we may be experiencing, and then you're, they're able to guard against those challenges. And I think this is this is where um, students, we've seen it, you know, students 
growing deep roots, having a strength in faith because they understood the challenges that were out there. And so as an this is the this is the apologist coming out right now. This is my heart. This is why I do the work that I do. Primarily, we're speaking to young people. We do a conference called the Reality Conference, and we're reaching about 13 to 15,000 young people across the U.S. every year. And, uh, and that conference, man, we are showing the challenges that are out there. And then we answer them because we don't have, the truth is on our side. There's nothing to be afraid of. So that would be kind of the, the discipleship, mm. know what you believe and why you believe it. That's great. Well, thanks, Tim. And you mentioned uh, just prior to that, the, the, the major reason that people deconstruct is suffering. You didn't say mm. specifically what that was, but I mean, it could be any kinds of things, right? It could be yeah. it could be tragedy. It could be some kind of abuse or sexual abuse or even in, oh, yeah. in the church, or it could be struggling with their own sexuality. I mean, all of those things are suffering on, on one level. And what? Trying to process, yeah. how could God allow me to go through mm -hmm. something like like that. That's exactly it. This is the problem of evil, kind of in a nutshell. How could there be a good, loving, powerful, all-knowing God, and yet I'm suffering? And so, uh, and and there are answers to those challenges, um, even if we can't give specific answers to that person's situation. Like mm -hmm. I don't. People have asked me, Tim, why did my daughter get in a car accident? And my my, the first three words out of my mouth are, I don't know. But I can say something about suffering in general. I think the Bible has a lot to say about that, actually. Um, and so there's there's suffering, as you described, there's abuse. Now, here's, a, here's a, another element to this, because there is real abuse. But what we've noticed is that there's also kind of what we call perceived abuse. And that is, if you teach certain doctrines, then you're considered abusive. And so if you were to teach your kids the doctrine of hell, that's considered child abuse, okay? And again, because in the thinking of many, religion isn't in the category of objective truth. It's in a different category. And so because telling a, a kid about hell might cause them to worry and, and feel maybe unsafe, well, therefore this must be abuse. Mm. Not just kids. I mean, you tell anybody, anyone on the street are gonna worry about hell. Um, and so, and so they would say, this doctrine's got to go. It's got to be dismissed. And, um, and this is a, a, just another element to the deconstruction movement that we're seeing. What we want to say though, is look, if it's true, let's just take hell, for example, if it's true that there's a place called hell, then obviously warning someone isn't, isn't toxic. It's not abusive. It's not harmful. Look at Mike. I have three little girls. I have instructed them all that they could get electrocuted if they take a knife and jam it into the wall socket, okay? That's a bad idea and you could get seriously hurt. Now, is that abusive? Well, if there was no electricity in the wall and it was just like a game that I'm playing and then, yeah. But if it's true that there is electricity that could kill them or the hot stove, or I mean, think of all the examples where we warn our kids about danger. If those things are really true, then Warning them is the right thing. It's the most loving thing. It is a good thing to do. And uh, and so hell is just one example. I mean, there's so many we could walk through, but there are so many doctrines that are, forget about the truth question, they don't like them. 
So therefore they are toxic. That doctrine hurts my feelings. That doctrine doesn't align with my personal preferences. Therefore, we label it as toxic, it's harmful, and anyone who holds that view is also toxic. We have, I've talked to grandparents and parents whose kids won't talk to them because they have been labeled toxic. Mm. And so that's a whole thing that's happening, and it's, it's really tragic. Another word which comes up, and you talk about it in your book, uh, the deconstruction of Christianity, the, the term is exvangelical, and it seems mm. like it's been, a, it's been attached to a number of celebrities, I think particularly Christian musicians in the last uh, couple of years. Are those words, uh, the deconstruction of Christianity, it, it, does that result in an exvangelical? I mean, in other words, are, are they sort of connected in that way? There, there absolutely is a connection between them. And uh, it's something we noticed almost immediately that when you go to hashtag deconstruction right next to it or in all the hashtags that get included is hashtag exvangelical. This goes back to um, the word explosion that we use um, in the book to describe the movement. What's interesting about an explosion is it starts at a certain point and then it goes everywhere in all directions. Mm-hmm. Kind of think of just an, at a bomb or something. Well, in a similar way, the explosion of deconstruction goes in every direction. People can end up as atheists, agnostics, new age, different faith, progressive Christianity, you know, whatever. But there is one thing in common. That's the, that's the starting point, the source. They all claim to have been leaving evangelicalism. Hmm. Now, this is where it gets really um, confusing because just as the word deconstruction has been used to mean all kinds of things. The word evangelical is used to mean all kinds of different things. Um, and, And so what we found, and we talk about this in the book, the word evangelical has almost become meaningless. There was a time when it meant, you know, there was, you know, there's something called the Bebbington quadrilateral, and you were an evangelical if you held to the authority of scripture, you believed in conversion, to faith, you did evangelism, and you believed in Jesus' death on the cross um, as the atonement sacrifice. But now, people don't. I mean, it, it, it's like if you're born in a certain place in the South, you're just called. I mean, it's like in your DNA or something. And what really brought this home was a study by Ligonier in 2022. Ligonier uh, with Lifeway did this survey, and they surveyed evangelicals in the US. And what they found was that 43% said that Jesus was a good moral teacher, but not God. Hmm. Okay. Just think about that for a second. 43% of evangelicals in the US are not Christian. If you're a Christian, one of the most essential doctrines, you know, is the deity of Christ. Okay. Um, and so this is this is essential. This is not a secondary issue. Um, something like 34% said uh, that religious truth is not objective, but just subjective personal preferences. So you have like these, they didn't believe, a certain number didn't believe in, in sin, were basically good people. What became really clear was that what people are mean by evangelical just doesn't, doesn't mean Christian. It means something else. And so when you say you're ex-evangelical, I actually don't know what you're ex, right? Like, what is that? What does that mean? What are you leaving? If you didn't believe in the deity of Christ, you're not leaving Christianity. 
So, so that's, it complicates the matter, but a lot of people are leaving evangelicalism in, in their minds. And by the way, for them, a lot of them, that means Trump. That means um, a whole, like the politics thing is another big reason. So many people say that their deconstruction started in 2016 and it was the evangelical supporting Trump. Um, there's, uh, I mean, there's, there's other reasons too. We talked about the spiritual abuse and the suffering. Um, there's, uh, yeah, there's, so there, there's other kinds of reasons, but again, zeroing in, I would want to ask the question. So this is my boss, Greg Kokel. What do you mean by deconstruction? That's my first question when I'm talking to someone who says they're deconstructing. And if they say, well, I'm leaving evangelicalism. My next question is, what do you mean by evangelicalism? Because it might not be Christian. It sounds like uh, what you're saying, Tim, or at least I, I don't think you can maybe paint a completely with a broad brush, but that uh, a lot of the people that are deconstructing from Christianity are, are leaving. They're leaving perhaps a movement, but are they actually leaving Jesus? Mm. Yeah. And this is such a, that's a really good point, a good summary. We have a, a chapter in the book called Faith. And when someone says, I'm deconstructing my faith, um, it's really important to understand what they mean by their faith, because what I'm interested in, are you deconstructing the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints? That's different than I'm just deconstructing my faith, because it could be that your faith and those beliefs that you held were not sound doctrine beliefs. Okay. Um, maybe it was some kind of prosperity preaching. Maybe it was, maybe it was something else. I mean, there's some fundamentalist camps that teach some pretty legalistic things. Maybe you're leaving that in which case I would say, good, you know, now don't, we, we say, don't deconstruct. We call it, we, we suggest reforming your faith. Um, that's a different process than deconstructing. Again, deconstruction doesn't use scriptures. It's, it's self-oriented. It's self-guided. Um, whereas we think reforming or whatever you want to call it, um, is, is using the Bible as your standard. That's what matters. It's definitely the idea there that your faith could, it could mean anything. So you want to follow up. The other piece is faith isn't just a series of propositions that we assent to. Faith is a relationship with a person. So this is the other piece that often gets totally, um, kind of, uh, it doesn't get addressed. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will talk about, well, I'm just like, my deconstruction is like remodeling a house. I'm just tearing down this wall and re or it's like pulling a sweater, the thread and whatever. I think the best analogy would be like a marriage. Okay. And when you start to question your marriage and like, that could be a dangerous thing because it could end up in divorce. And when you start messing around with, you know, maybe- my wife's, you know, gone and I got to, I'm going to follow her in my car. Cause I think she, you know, and you start accusing someone and there's nothing to really accuse it, but I'm, I, I got some theory in my mind that she's do, messing around with someone. Mm -hmm. And so I accuse that is obviously that's going to mess up my relationship with my wife. And so there's more, I guess my point is there's more at stake than just deny this proposition, affirm this proposition. No, there's a person that we're in relationship with. And um, and that's why we ought to be very careful because the process matters and the process could destroy that relationship. 
Well, Tim, I know I have to let you go in just a moment, but the book is The Deconstruction of Christianity, what it is, why it's destructive, and how to respond. And uh, you have a chapter uh, in your book, it's titled Advice, and I'm just wondering, what advice would you give mm-hmm. you? I mean, you've mentioned, uh, what yeah. do you mean by deconstruction? What do you mean by evangelicalism? But you, you say it's a, it's a friend, it's a family member who comes to you. Mm-hmm. What, how can you compassionately I- engage them? Yeah, I think that um, it's really important that we start with prayer. Um, this is like, man, if someone is is in on the path of deconstruction, and it's real deconstruction, it's not just, you know, if your kid comes to you and says, I'm deconstructing, but really they're just wondering about creation, you know, mm-hmm. and which view, you know, should I hold to? Or uh, baptism, which view should I, you know, that kind of thing. That's different because they care about the Bible than the person that says, you know, I, I'm done, this is toxic, you know, this is harmful, I'm out of here. So the first thing I wanna do is start praying, if you haven't already, for that that person, because it's God, he's the one that is able to draw people to himself. Of course, he uses arguments and evidence and all the, you and, and other people, pray that God would do whatever is necessary to bring that person back to himself. So pray. The second thing I just wanna say, stay calm. It is, I mean, if my daughter came to me, I, my girls are quite young, but let's say my oldest gets, when she's 20, she comes to me and says, dad, I don't, I don't believe this stuff anymore. I'm, I'm deconstructed. I would just want to remind myself, take a deep breath, stay calm. I know so, I've heard so many stories where a parent just freaks and cause they're just, it's just like a shock. Mm-hmm. And so what are you doing? What do you mean? What do you? And, and then they start launching the argument. Well, don't you know this, 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 and this, and this, like as if in that moment, you're gonna somehow bring them back with, with a quick argument. So chances are, if they've come to you and they're saying, I'm deconstructing, that they've thought about this for a long time and just finally worked up the courage to say something. So stay calm and do your best to stay in their life. Now, sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes they cut you off mm. and that's, that's tragic. But it, as long as you are able, do your best to maintain the relationship. Likely they know what you believe, but now live it out, okay? So if you've been talking about the love of Christ, show that love of Christ, model it as best you can, because it's only in that uh, relationship stage that they'll likely listen to you. I know lots of people say, Tim, can you go up for a coffee with my son? And I'm thinking, your son doesn't know me. They, they, I'm just some dude, you know, who may have some answers to some of their questions, but really what matters is someone who's in relationship with them, who can speak truth. That's what is going to make a difference. And then try to find out what led to their deconstruction. It was it intellectual. Oftentimes the intellectual stuff is a smoke screen to something else that's going on. And uh, so try to, try to find that out again. Don't think I'm just going to sit down with you and and over coffee and straighten out your theology. No, no take your time. In fact, this is the last thing: set boundaries. Um, if if my daughter came to me and said I'm deconstructed, I would still want to take her shopping. I'd still want to go to the movies. I still want to take her out for lunch. I'd still want to do all those things. And I would even say to her, "Look, let's just be dad and daughter. Like, let's just let's not talk about. We're not going to debate. We're not going to." And then when you want to talk about theology, we'll just, we'll set time up for that. And we can, we can get into it and whatever over coffee, or if that's what you want. But I just want to be your dad too. 
And I don't want every single time we get together to be a debate or an argument. I just, I love you. And I want you to know that. And, uh, and so I think that would help too. So set boundaries and respect their boundaries. Um, so those would be, uh, again, mm -hmm. we talk about some other things in the book, but that would be some practical advice. Again, not necessarily intuitive because I know I'm a Christian. I know I, I want to give answers. I want to fix this. I want to solve this. Well, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. And, and we do share some stories where people do go through deconstruction or a crisis and end up coming back. So that's, that's key. Remember, there is hope. Keep holding on to hope. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Tim Barnett, a speaker and apologist with Stand to Reason and co-author along with Elisa Childers of The Deconstruction of Christianity, What It Is, Why It's Destructive, and How to Respond. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Guy Waters with a biblical and inspiring discussion of death, dying, and what comes after this life. It is in God's providence the way that I will be brought from this life into the next. And the Apostle Paul, in faith, can say, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it is better to be with Christ than to be here in the body. That's tomorrow at the same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening.